Welcome to the Best Work Podcast. I'm your host, Ben Henley-Smith. The goal of this show is to uncover the personal stories of successful software engineers, founders, thinkers and leaders who are all navigating their own working journey. Finding our best work is often this hidden journey, uncovered through an ongoing conversation with ourselves and the world around us. Every one of these episodes is packed full of timeless ideas you could apply to your own life. In this conversation, I speak to Caitlin Sorensen. Caitlin is CEO of two companies, Sendable and Loomly. It is perhaps not so surprising that burnout and overwork is a prominent thread in our conversation. Caitlin shares with me an insightful assessment on the superficiality of social media, inspired by her father. Caitlin's complex but deeply positive relationship with her parents had a strong influence on her career trajectory, and she speaks with candour about the various dynamics at play here. Caitlin describes herself as a full participator and believes that this mindset and approach helped her progress rapidly early in her career. At the same time, it was self-knowledge and self-honesty that ultimately allowed Caitlin to overcome the more unsustainable elements of her professional mindset and approach work on her own terms. Reading something online, and when you're asked what advice you would give to other CEOs who are beginning their entrepreneurial journey, you said, don't do it alone. Um, Did you start your own journey alone? No. I, one of the pieces of advice that I've been thinking about a lot recently is to A, sort of never think you're too good for something and B, always build relationships. So one of the, the the reason that I am where I am is because I've focused so much on building relationships with everyone. Um, I... I found this job because of a recruiter that I used for many years um, to hire lead generation specialists. Um, And so who would have thought that then he would kind of place me in my dream dream job seven years later? Um, It's something that like I still talk to him. I still use him to recruit for this company. And that... um, I guess you just, you sort of never know what's going to happen later. And so the more that you can surround yourself with people that you trust, that um, bring something to the table, bring a unique perspective, um, and can help guide you the better. And you're now in tech, but you didn't start in tech. Where did you start? Technically, I I did. um, I graduated from college with a psych degree, um, so not tech. But then I um, went to Microsoft Australia to do software testing um, and worked on the Link product, which I don't know if anyone except the team that I was on then. That's beyond me, I think. But, and then I went into kind of sales and marketing for more of a services product. and then found my way into tech again through marketing consulting. Through marketing consulting, how how did that how did that happen? Because there are quite a few people who might find that transition more more tricky. Yeah, um, I had worked in one place for a really long time, 
had grown a ton and was the director of marketing when I left. Um, and was <laughs> burnt out <laughs> to, to, to be totally honest. And so I just like, I needed a change. I needed to take a break. So I signed up to, to work at a consulting company, um, be an individual contributor and, um, went on a sailing trip from Panama to Colombia to wow. completely decompress. <laughs> and then while I was consulting, I kind of started looking for what is the next thing that I really want to do. How did you know that you were burnt out? It's so hard to know. I, that's a very good question. Um, and I think my understanding of burnout is definitely a little bit different at this point in my life. Um, being the CEO of two companies, yeah. uh, you'd think that I would burn out faster in a role like that than a director of marketing for one company. Um, but I think you, we talked at the very beginning about finding your best work. And if you feel supported, have the right team around you and enjoy and, and love what you do, it's a little bit easier to work longer hours and it doesn't have as much of a negative toll. Um, I still try to get a lot of sleep. Um, I'm still tired sometimes. I won't deny that, but it's less of a, um, I don't know, existential dread than, than it used to be. What were the signs other than existential dread, which sounds enough in itself? <laughs> I just didn't want to go to work anymore. I was mm -hmm. excited. I wasn't excited about what I was doing. I didn't feel like I was growing. Um, and I was getting sick all the time, actually. Um, that was kind of a, a big indicator for me. Um, where I just like could not stay healthy. Um, and I think that kind of helped me realize that m there was a little bit of dissonance between what I thought I was doing, what I thought I was contributing, and what I thought I wanted from what my body was telling me that I needed, which was at that point a break. <laughs> yeah. How did that affect the work that you chose next? Because it sounded like it was somewhat of a deliberate choice to go into consulting. Yeah, I, I took a pay cut. I decided I, I'd been managing people for five years, um, decided to go into an individual contributor role. Um, I think at that point I wanted to get out of something and I knew that I wasn't going to find the thing that I really wanted to get into in that like escape place. Um, so instead of trying to find the the best thing, the thing I was excited about while I was in that place. I wanted to get myself in the right headspace to um, be ready for what was next. That's an incredibly practical way of thinking through your next working step because you've done such an inc you've been on such an incredible journey at Fierce and then it must have been kind of tumultuous to then kind of proactively decide you know what like I'm gonna go and I'm gonna almost go with the medium path here and I'm gonna like bank it almost 
Yeah, I, I've definitely not really been a, a medium path person in my life. Um, my goal is always to exceed expectations. And it's funny, actually, um, when I was kind of making that decision, I was talking to one of my friends about asking for advice, um, saying that I wanted to go somewhere where I could just work normal hours and and recharge. And she kind of looked at me. Um, What's going on, Caitlin? <laughs> well, her her response was, you know that no matter where you go, you're not going to work normal hours. Like you're going to, you're not a like coasting person. Um, and I was like, I don't know. I'm tired. Like, I think I can do it. Um, fast forward a few months and I, I could not coast. Um, I put, I was still working 12 hour days. I was still trying to develop new programs for the company and like talking to the CEO. Um, so she was right. <laughs> did it give you what you wanted? Yes. Yeah, it did. Um, it helped me realize what my passion is. And that really is leadership. I, I would not be here. I would not be able to do anything that I'm doing without an incredible team. And so like developing people, um, working with the people that I do, that is what energizes me. Um, and that's what I want to do. I, I actually, um, I read Rand, Fish, Rand Fishkin's book, Lost and Founder, and he was talking about, he's the uh, Moz founder, and at one point he was talking about how his role of founder transitioned into the role of CEO, and how much he hated that. And he was talking about all of the things he does as a CEO, like solving problems, removing blockers, um, developing people, building culture. And he's like, all of that, I hate all that stuff. Um, he wanted to get back to the like building and the tinkering. Um, and I went to my boss at the time and I was like, I think I was supposed to read this and agree with him, but actually like everything that he described, I want that. <laughs> Um, and that was kind of the beginning of the conversations that led me to where I am today. Was that the beginning of the end at the Spur Group then? <laughs> Imagine <laughs> if you were having a conversation, a conversation with your boss. <laughs> That's both good and bad. Yeah, no, I mean, I, the Spur, Spur Group was great in a lot of ways. Um, the people there are fantastic. And um, I think I, I was pretty open when I joined them that it was something that I wanted to try. Um, and at the end of the day, I want to own things. I want to see the results of things. Um, I still make PowerPoints and I learned a lot about kind of how to present ideas at the Spur Group. Um, but that that path is, isn't what I want to do. I want to work for a small scrappy company I want to solve problems and I want to see what happens with those solutions and when they're implemented. What happened next? I joined Traject. Uh, well, what is now Traject? Um, we were at the time ASG MarTech and um, had, I think, five brands at the time. We've been through a lot. Um, that is still where I am today. 
uh, Traject is the parent company of Loomly and Sendable. And we have expanded a ton. Uh, Sendable and Loomly were not part of Traject when I joined. And we did have a, a small social media management presence, but have grown a lot since I joined. Um, I was the head of sales and marketing at the time when I got hired, uh, working for Steve Reardon, who's now the CEO of the, our, the parent company of Traject, and learned a ton from him. He's been an incredible mentor for me. Um, and just really like, it was a, it was an incredible role. I was terrified <laughs> going into it. Um, it was a, a bit of a stretch, as I mentioned at the beginning, the uh, recruiter that I used to use to fill my lead generals, he reached out to me and was like, hey, don't know if you're looking, but here's an opportunity. Um, and I actually didn't get it at first. <laughs> um, I was passed on um, in the initial stages, um, partially because I didn't know how to articulate what I wanted. Um, I think that that was a lesson that I learned um, through that process of like being really clear going into something, um, going into the conversation with a recruiter, going into the conversation with anyone really, like you need to know what is your goal and, and what do you want um, so that then you can be clear with your requests. What was it that you weren't clear about? I wasn't clear on where I wanted to go um, and what that would mean for the company. So uh, there were reasons why at the time, but I, I said that I wanted to be a, a chief people, people officer in the uh, interview. And they were at that time, the role was head of sales. And he was like, I'm not, why does my head of sales want to be a chief people officer? Um, and I couldn't really answer that question. My answer was, I don't really, I hadn't really thought about where I wanted to be in five years. And uh, we just hired a chief people officer at the Spur Group and I think her job looks cool. Um, so it was, um, that was a, a really good experience for me. I. I reached out afterwards and I just said, hey, like, thanks for pushing me on that. Uh, I've thought about it. Here's what I want to do. This is where I want to go. This, I'm super excited about this opportunity. And um, hopefully you realize that I'm the, the best fit for it. Um, and I think it was two months later, he emailed me back. <laughs> wow. He said he, he uh, cleaned out his email or his inbox got down to inbox zero every day, but he left that email in there for two months before responding. Why do you think he responded after all of that time? Well, he, I mean, he told me. <laughs> the, the, uh, he interviewed a lot of people, um, kind of kept coming back to... Uh, apparently, I, I got some of the answers in the interview, right? Um, and I think... I was really able to articulate um, why, why, like why I wanted this, why I wanted to be part of that and what I would bring to the team. And I think that struck a chord. Um, they also, it, it was a very busy time. So I think 
they basically continued interviewing people, but put the role a bit on pause until they figured out kind of what was going to happen next. Hmm. How did that lead to becoming a CEO? The um, Alpine ecosystem is a really supportive, really phenomenal environment. Um, So Alpine is the um, holding company, the the private equity company. ASG is the um, other holding company that is the software vertical of Alpine. And then Traject is the the company that that I work for. And um, there is a like CIT program that is incredible that kind of takes people looks at um, attributes over experience and then kind of gives people the opportunities and the support to be able to run a company or learn those skills. Um, I I took a bit of a circuitous route to get there, Um, but it was really, it started with understanding that the opportunity existed. So I had been really fortunate to work for several female leaders, um, two lesbian CEOs, and uh, know that people like me actually could have that opportunity. Um, And that was really huge for me. Um, And then seeing that there was this CIT program, I knew that like, if I put in the work, if I exceeded expectations, there was a, a small chance that I could get into that program or um, potentially have more opportunities to lead. So I volunteered. I mean, I, I raised my hand. I said every opportunity that there was, oh, we need somebody to run this initiative. We need somebody to run this team. We need somebody to run this company i just volunteered and you've got access to i guess what's happening because you're the vp of sales and marketing inside a company that is like giving you the chance to have this it sounds like you almost couldn't find that from the outside yeah yeah i I was very lucky to to end up where i did where m&a is a huge part of the strategy and there were opportunities to run companies um definitely i think um yeah has becoming a ceo been what you thought it might be when you first read that book i think so yeah (laughs) it's been incredible it's been exhausting it's been exhilarating i think the uh the one thing i didn't quite realized was part of the CEO job description was dealing with all of the mail that we get oh my goodness um, I'm not sure if that's your experience, but there's a lot of important mail that I have to sort through and figure out what to do with Who's it. mailing you? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Um, the, uh, a lot of government okay. people are, are emailing, are mailing, not emailing, um, HMRC. <laughs> the revenue. Yeah. 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 Okay. How's your... Your your day to day work has ch- and will have changed so much from the beginning until until now. Um, yeah. uh, but also, your relationship with work uh, must have changed so much between 
then and now has it and if so how that's a good question um definitely my day-to-day has changed a lot um the time zones are definitely a, a challenge um Sundable is global uh Lumly is global but Lumly skews a little bit more like Pacific Standard Time, Sendable skews a bit more GMT. Um, so that's definitely a challenge. Um, but I, I'm more of a night owl, so sleeping in agrees with me. Uh, um, in terms of my relationship with work, I don't actually know how much it's changed, to be totally honest. Um, I, I've always been a full participator. I think one of the reasons that I am where I am is that I've always thought about not just my department, um, not just my purview. I never, that's why I like small companies is I don't want to be a cog in a machine. Um, I want to really have an impact and that mentality is why I was on the, the fierce leadership team by 25 um, and is still the way I approach things. I think uh, curiosity, always wanting to learn, uh, love book recommendations if you have any, um, and always just kind of trying to stretch myself. Um, get out of my comfort zone so that I learn a little bit more. My dad taught me that. Why is it that you put yourself through all of that? Because uh, some people may hear that and be like, well, I would love to be in the situation that Caitlin's in. But like all of that, that sounds like way out of my comfort zone. Like what, what, what is motivating you to do that? I've always had this um, desire not to settle um and sometimes it's healthy sometimes it's not um i really want to get the most out of whatever opportunity that i have i want to get the most out of life um i don't want to look back and say oh like i wish that i'd done that um my my dad has had an incredibly interesting life um And one of the things that he kind of has talked about with me since I was very young is that you sort of never know what's going to happen. You just taking those opportunities, just participating fully um, is the best way to kind of find what you're what you're doing and and what you want to do um so from an an early age when I did internships or work did tutoring I was always trying to figure out what are the things about this thing that I'm doing that I love what are the things that I want to do more of in the next phase of my life um and and then how do I get there, <laughs> obviously. Is that intrinsic or extrinsic motivation? I've never really been very money motivated. I have wanted to continue to grow on that side. Um, but I do think that it's an intrinsic motivation of like, 
ultimately my goal is I want to make the world better. Um, I, all of my best friends for the most part are in nonprofit work and directly making the world better. Um, I didn't go that path, but I do have that mentality. So my goal is in my microcosm, I want to make this the best experience for everyone. I want to invest in hiring diverse talent. I want to invest in hearing perspectives um, and helping people develop that might not get as much attention somewhere else. Um, so that's always been really important to me. And I think also showing people that this is possible. Because <laughs> um, I, I do think that that was a big part of it for me, is knowing that I could do it. Is that the, the just seeing the people who are like you, who are doing it before you? Yeah, I, I think that. And then also I, I ask for feedback a lot. Um, I want to know like, how can I improve? What am I, what am I doing that's helping us get to where we want to get to? Where do we want to get to? Asking a lot of questions. Um, and getting that positive reinforcement that like you're doing some things right, like keep up those things and, and here are the ways that you can adjust and um, have even bigger of an impact. You said that your dad, one of the things you learned from your dad was that you kind of never know what's going to happen. Uh, what does that mean? What does, it, does that mean you just basically just go for it because you don't know what's going to happen? Yeah, I mean, m my dad was uh, in and out of jail at 15 and he went to Vietnam, was the last, first number actually not to be drafted, um, was there for three years, had a very intense experience, um, came back, uh, became a, a famous scrim shander, so was carving ivory, um, and then like stumbled into motivational speaking and then did uh, what is not a college graduate, but still did uh, corporate training for CEOs for 30 years. <laughs> um, he's really incredible. And I think he helped instill in me that like a, a lot of those things weren't things he was like, oh yeah, in five years, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna do this. It was, here's a thing in front of me and I'm just gonna step in and see what happens. What's been the most valuable lesson that he's passed on? That must be such a difficult question, I'm, I'm sure. But. One thing that I, I really like that he's taught me, um, so he's taught me to laugh at myself, not take myself too seriously. Um, and he always says that when we're looking at, at other people's lives, at social media, that um, we're comparing our insides to everyone else's outsides. And so to not let that get you down or, or create narratives in your head. Um, and so I think that helps me understand that my insecurities, my imposter syndrome um, doesn't mean that I can't do it. It just means that that's what I'm feeling and that I need to work a little bit harder and, and get feedback and learn and grow. Do you have any tools that you use in order to 
help you quell that imposter syndrome day to day the the power stance is a really good one <laughs> yeah just as wide as i can <laughs> um i i really think talking to people building relationships and and asking for feedback has helped me a lot because if i if I create an environment where people feel like they can tell me if I have done something or am going down a path that is not helpful, then I can fix it. And that's really my goal is, is how do I remove blockers and how do I create an environment where people feel safe telling me what those blockers are? What was it he said about ins- inside and the outside? Um, when you're looking at other people, you're comparing your insides to other people's outsides. Right. Okay. I love it. It reminds me of the that Montaigne quote. I think it's just kings and philosophers shit and so do ladies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, and he, and he told me that before the age of social media. So <laughs> mm, when now it's just so much, so much worse. Mm-hmm. I also, one of the things I really like is that we're getting more to a transparency phase where people are even on social media being a little bit more honest about the things that are going on inside. And I think that that is so important. And um, mm. one of the reasons I like being in this industry so much. Mm. What do you think has been the hardest part of your working journey so far? The two hardest parts. One was um, COVID, the initial kind of transition from, I was always an office person, now I'm a a home working person. Um, That was really tough. There was a lot of um, really hard decisions that had to be made. And um, it was just not something that we ever thought that we would have to deal with. Um, And furloughs like that those kinds of conversations were really really tough um I am a bit of a control freak in some areas of my life and so to not be able to do anything about it was was really hard um and like we were able to turn things around and and bring everyone back which was really um helpful at least on my team and so and I think it was just it really forced us to come to, to, to rethink and understand what, what boundaries, what limitations were in our heads versus what were actual limitations. Um, and I actually really like working from home now. (laughs) I'm shocked that I would say that. Um, the other one that was really hard for me was, um, the, transition into being a CEO. When I, when I took over Sundable, I was, um, trying to run a company also because of COVID, uh, from a UK company from Seattle, Washington and waking up at 4am to lead company meetings when I'm a night owl was, uh, pretty tough. I honestly don't have a clear how you did that. Like <gasps> It was a uh, pure adrenaline. Fun. It was for three months. The first month was okay because it was just pure adrenaline. Second month was a little bit worse. Um, 
and the third month was just i don't know how i did that uh, yeah i don't know either <laughs> i think you're amazing just for madness i think you should run cord as well we'll sort it out um <laughs> i think jeff bezos calls it a regret minimization framework but it basically means yeah. imagine yourself when you're 80 and like work backwards and imagine if you'd you know, what what decision would you make type of thing yeah. um are there any other models that you use in order to make big life decisions about work? I think the models are really helpful. And yes, I, I do use the regret minimization framework. Um, I use models for tough conversations. I actually think that the fierce conversations tools are really, really beneficial. Um, I think there are planning models and lots of different things you can use. Um, and... What I really try to do is make decisions from my values, um, making sure that I feel in integrity. I think like we talked about this at the beginning, why I was burnt out. And I think it was because I was starting to make decisions that didn't feel in line with who I was. And so really, I've done a lot of personal work on who am I? What do I want from life? Uh, I talked a little bit about like making an impact, making the world, leaving the world better than how I found it. Um, and so really kind of coming to terms, being comfortable in my own skin and knowing who I am makes that a little bit easier. Um, there's probably a framework for that, uh, but I, I don't know the name. Could we focus in on how you came to terms with yourself there and um, um, what, what are the practical steps that are involved to come to terms with yourself and your own values? Yeah, uh, I think a, a big part of that for me uh, was coming out in uh, college. Um, I, I did, a, so I grew up where folk, uh, communication was a huge focus and um, it was really, I was asked a lot of questions. <laughs> My dad is a, a question asker. He's super curious. And so he helped me kind of ask myself those questions. Um, my mom did as well. Um, they were both very supportive of me kind of going through that journey. And I, I think a big part of it is just not starting out from a place of I know exactly who I am and asking yourself questions along the way of like, how does this make me feel? What do I want? Um, where am I trying to go? And, and checking in internally and understanding like, how do these, how do these decisions make me feel? Um, so, and, and sometimes the, the decisions or the things that make you feel the most terrified are actually the most right. Um, and that was coming out for me. I, sort of knew it for a while, had talked to a couple of people about it. My parents, um, I, I told them when I was 17 that I, I think I might like girls. <laughs> then my dad asked me uh, every every day for like two weeks, so have you decided yet? <laughs> I had to tell him to stop. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think it's just how do you make decisions and slowly get closer to a place where you feel good and right. And after I finally had t 
told the world and, and started living my whole truth, my experience and my own skin was totally different. The questions that you're your dad is asking there not necessarily the incessant questions every day uh it's almost as if they they help get unearth they help unearth the things that are harder to understand in ourselves it's, it's like love i guess like how, you don't really know what it is and you you also struggle to verbalize it but and it's because it it doesn't exist in a specific part of our mind. It's it's in multiple parts, um, yeah. and it's as it's almost like it's kind of the same as we go through our working journey and we decide what it is that we want the meaning of our work to be. It's almost impossible to put a direct pin on it, and so we have to go through this question and answer process in order to uncover it slowly somehow. Yeah, I mean, and I think. A hundred percent. I think also like that's what I was talking about earlier of like when you're in a job, when you're doing something like I always like to joke that I could do anything for six months. Um, and that is like I love to be put into new situations and try different things and, and see how it goes, because most decisions are not um, irreversible, especially in work. You can try something you can um take on a, a role you can do consulting for six months and like maybe you hate it and you realize that you don't want to do that and like what about it did you like and then how do you apply that to the next thing I think that that is so important is just exposure and over time you'll hone into what is it that brings you joy and where do you feel the most like yourself some people would say that those big working decisions aren't reversible decisions because that we have like a sunken cost fallacy where we spend six months doing something and we're worried that we've gone too far away from where we started or we kind of have this kind of perfectionism trap where we want our career to have looked perfect but but in practice sounds like you're saying like actually it's not then they are they are reversible i think one of the things that helped me understand, like reversible is maybe the, the wrong word, but there's an opportunity to change them. I think we're taught at a really young age that you have to like figure out what your college major is. You have to determine like what your first job is, and then you have to work 20 years in that field to get to the next step. Um, and I, and I think that is how it used to be, but it, it's not really how it is anymore. Um, and I also don't necessarily ascribe to the gig economy. I think there is something to loyalty and, and putting in the time and, and learning and growing within a role. Um, but I think it's also about not being overly loyal. <laughs> so you're, you might start down a path. Um, I actually, I don't remember the book. I think I was Rethink uh, by Adam Grant, or Think Again by Adam Grant. It's a phenomenal book. And he talks about how we have this idea that we need to stick to our opinions. And once we've made a decision, you have to like back that decision up. You have to go that direction. Um, and he talks a lot about, I think it's like his cousin who is, was a doctor. 
and he went through med school. That's an insane, one of my friends is a doctor, like that is an insane amount of time. Um, and he was miserable. He hated it. And every, every step of the way, he was like, I'm miserable. I hate this, but I've already done X, Y, Z. I've already done two years. So I might as well do two more. So I might as well do two more. And then 10 years later, he was just like, you know, I don't want to do this anymore. And quit his job and or quit his doctor job and went and did something else. And I think that that is so powerful. And those stories of people changing their careers later in life are so important because life is short, um, but it's also long. And there is, for, for those of for those who are lucky for it to be long, um, and hearing those stories helps to reduce that fear that like the decision I make is going to be the decision that is the decision I have to stick to for the rest of my life. I think he says something like all persuasion is self-persuasion. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure he does. I, yeah. I'm, I'm a big Adam Grant fan. <laughs> Could we touch upon how it must have been an extraordinary experience having a... Uh, a dad who coaches CEOs and then you end up becoming a CEO uh, perhaps or, or not on purpose or however that materialised. Um, how have you been able to kind of not feel in his shadow there? I just, I, I don't know. I've never really felt like I was in his shadow. He did, he did do some work for fierce. So there was a little bit of that, like fear of nepotism for me mm. there. Um, he did a lot of work for fierce. <laughs> I, I don't need to minimize it. Um, but I think once I stopped working at fierce and saw that like people that didn't know my dad also thought I was cool. <laughs> um, that helped a lot. But as far as the CEO thing, um, he, he did coach CEOs and he was, had a huge impact on a lot of businesses, um, worked with a lot of Fortune 500 companies and, and leaders. And so I was able to learn from him, um, but he also was focused on kind of one area. And so we have a lot of conversations where I talk about my day to day and he's like, that just doesn't even like compute what you're doing. Um, it's taken him a while to, to know the name of my company. He does have it now. <laughs> um, Sendable helped him uh, get a little bit clearer. And I think the biggest thing is just, he's been so proud of me. Um, and so supportive. Both my parents have. I mean, my mom was not pleased when I told her I was moving to London in the middle of a global pandemic to run a company. Um, but they've been truly wonderfully supportive. And I, I've been really lucky um, that that's the persuasion that they've chosen. Your story's amazing, Caitlin. Thank you. I loved it. The Best Work Podcast is produced by the team at Cord. I'd love your advice on how we can make sure the Best Work Podcast is having a profound impact on the way we all pursue our best work. Email me at bennettcord.co.
You can also find a transcript of this conversation, insightful video content and more at core.co slash insights. Thanks for listening.